Blog Talk Radio. Tom Dawson, Dawson Piles here with Coco Koski. We have Justin Hart joining us, and hopefully Kyle Hester is supposed to be here somewhere in Louisiana, and I I know he is scheduled to be joining us as well. We're going to be uh, talking about everything from, you know, updates on the election, uh, some peculiarities, uh, science, COVID, and beyond, uh, what it all means economically, foreign policy, Media and polling, and uh, and so on down the line. All right, all right. And so there's one. So I am Tom Donaldson. I'm the chairman of America's PAC, which is a super PAC. And if everything, I'm in the process. I may in fact be involved in Georgia. Uh, so I'm crossing my finger that let's say the money comes through, so I can have some more fun doing this campaign stuff. I'm also the chairman of America's. I'm also the project director for America's Majority Foundation. Author of eight great books, none of which are bestsellers, but they all should be. And Coco. What's up? I am a proud Joe Biden supporter. Um, have been for, you know, basically any anybody who's run against Trump I'm happy with. Um, um, I'm also a writer. I, I live and I work in uh, Burbank, California, and currently it is really cold at a whopping um, 70 degrees. Don't laugh at me. Um, so I'm currently huddled under a heating blanket, a comforter, and I have a little space heater on. So I don't know how cold it is over where you guys are at, but for me, if I walk out and it's like below 70 um, I'm putting my parka on. Now you, well, so Justin lives in San Diego. So what's going on in San Diego? Well, about are you, the are same. You not- uh, maybe even just a <laughs> little bit. You know, very chilly. I think we're 69 today. So, whew. but uh, well, yeah, I've been I, LA wussified. I, I totally have been, and I'm from Miami. So, um, but <laughs> I I looked at the weather this morning. Oh my God, it's not. It's like 66 degrees right now. That's why I'm cold. But earlier this yeah. morning, it was like 39 when I walked my dog out at 6 a.m. And I was like, I, 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 mean, I can't. I can't deal with this weather. Good for mm-hmm. me. But I'm weird because I actually have my AC on with the heater on. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I understand it because my uh, sister-in-law, she now lives in Florida. And I can remember, like, she, uh, you know, like, like my wife, she lived in New Jersey and then then she moved to Florida and she always, you know, and I remember like she was complaining one day, guys, like 55, 60 degrees out. You know, she's got the coat, she has the parka, got the sweater. And I'm saying, Oh God. And I said, how long? So I didn't, you know, I said, wow, I guess you've been, uh, Florida eyes. Cause you didn't well, wear those I mean, kind of things. <laughs> 50 degrees. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. So like, I live like in, I don't know, it's like a 2000 square foot condo right now. And, um, my my room, the master bedroom, it's like 
the vents don't circulate and it's like so like if I go to the living room yeah it's nice and warm and like in the 70s or whatever but if I go to my room right now it's like 68 degrees so I mean that's the reason why I I literally slept under a I slept under a heating pad with a heating blanket and a comforter with my mini space heater if that tells you anything how much I hate the cold mm-hmm. yeah well, okay. Now, you know, before I go, uh, you send me a, a, the ad, the puppy dog ad in Georgia. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll explain it to you guys. Um, this is actually a really – so I've been fighting, like, horrible fatigue. And so I literally was, like, I was half asleep. And then all of a sudden I hear this ad go on, and I'm like, What? Like, I thought I was dreaming for a moment. I thought, like, and it's an, it's an actual ad. Um, it's, it, it's an attack ad, but it's, like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Like, I actually thought, I'm not kidding, Tom. I thought I was watching Saturday Night Live when I heard this. Because yeah. if you if you listen to this ad, so this ad was um, from Senator GOP, Senator Kelly Loafer. Um, oh, actually, no, it wasn't. It was actually from Warnock. It was actually from Warnock. For Warnock. Yeah, the Democrat. Yeah, the Democrat. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it was about how, I guess, he he hates puppies, you know, um, yeah. and, and how, like, or, like, and at the end, he had to, like, say, like, no, and I love puppies. And I'm literally thinking, like, oh, my God, this is, like, a Saturday Night Live skit, but it's not. I was watching the news. Um, yeah. and so I don't know. This this ad is like it's just hilarious. It's just so yeah. stupid. Well, yeah. Here's the thing, because I yeah, uh, yeah. The ad was because I've seen this ad before. Other candidates have done it. It's more or less, you know, I'm a really nice guy. They're gonna your my opponent's gonna say I hate kids and I hate puppies, but I love puppies. And that was the whole point. Well, yeah, yeah. if someone I'm else a- is like, if they're if they're doing an attack ad like on something so stupid like that, like yeah, of course you're going to come back and say something. It's like a rebuttal. Yeah. So yeah. All right, uh, Kyle's on the line with us. Kyle Hesso, how's it going? What's up? Sorry, I'm late. Thank Kyle. you so much for having me on the yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> now you're from okay. Now you're in Louisiana, right? You're still in Louisiana. I am in Louisiana. This would not be a still. This would be a now I am here. So. Oh, yeah. my yeah, God. Yeah. Did you drive? Yeah. Oh, twice. Two two oh, U-Hauls. Good. Like, uh, yeah, we uh, we moved. I am. Um, Wait, I am you moved to Louisiana? Place. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, I, yeah, we're um, we're across the Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans. We are in Mandeville. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it's it's uh, it's beautiful. How's the weather? Well, uh, not bad. I think um, I missed that hurricane. Um, that was between between cross country trips. So um, right. you know, I got here, saw some saw some down trees and stuff like that. But uh, the, the weather's beautiful now, so we'll take it. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Kyle, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about yourself. I'm going to have Justin tell everybody about himself, and then we'll get right into the show. Right on, right on. Well, um, I am an actor. I am a um, an independent 
you know, producer and uh, have, you can check out a couple of my films, uh, The Chair and Zombie with a Shotgun. Those are on Amazon and Tubi. And I have another film that's in post-production right now called Preacher 6. And we are going into preparation for our new film out here, Possession in the Bayou. So that's me in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So now, how's the preacher six? Is that still on the on the horizon as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's 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 in basically what I like to call post production hell. So um, yeah, we're just basically in the middle of uh, of doing a bunch of VFX, and um, and since I don't do that, I um, it's a, it's a personal hell for me since I can't control it. You know what I mean? I can't just like go yeah. sit on my computer and, and just like get it all done and finish it up. So um, just like waiting on other people to, to finish, yeah. you know, what they got to do. Yeah. Okay. Now, Justin, why don't you tell everybody about yourself? I know. Uh, go. Greetings. No, I look, uh, I'm down here in San Diego uh, what I do professionally is I exact change upon the universe and I try to make it change its entire world. And sometimes I'll do that by having seven kids. I do have seven kids who have changed the world. One of them is crying for me right now for a chocolate milk because mommy and me both work in politics. And as you can imagine, this is a little busy time. So I'm a consultant. I've been a consultant for a while. Uh, I served as a digital director on the Mitt Romney campaign. Um, I had my own consultancy. I kind of left politics for a little bit, moved down to L.A., moved down to San Diego, had some more kids. And uh, then on top of that, just kind of looked towards the skies. And now I am spending most of my time fighting COVID. I'm the founder of RationalGround.com, which is sort of a a rational discussion that we have around uh, what should be done around COVID policy. So I've been fighting hard for that. Uh, But, uh, it's you know, on the side, I do some politics still. That's my my forte, but uh, okay. yeah, Miss uh, Three Year Old is there. the 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 one year old is sleeping fakely, and uh, in the middle of that whole conversation, while you were introducing yourself, I dutifully got a big thing of Pringles, some chocolate milk, and the uh, purple iPad. So she's all set. Let's go. I, oh, right. I okay. don't this envy the... you. I just want to say I don't envy you at this moment right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awesome! <laughs> a little part of you running around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is Tom Donaldson, Coco Constant. We got Kyle Hester. We got Justin Hart. We're going to start on our discussion and once we get back here uh, after this important message from a great show on the bachelor news radio network if you want real discussions on politics social issues racial issues and other topics then tune into the bachelor news radio show listen live every monday and thursday from 6 p.m to 8 p.m eastern at blogtalkradio.com and if you miss the show you can listen every monday through saturday at 8 a.m and 3 p.m eastern and every sunday at 5 a.m and 3 p.m at thebachelornews.airtime.pro listen and be informed Locker Talk with Barry Bonds. Barry's where you hear about the NFL stars of tomorrow. Today, listen to Barry every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on blocktalkradio.com dash LA dash Bachelor and the podcast every day 2, p- 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with back-to-back episodes at the Bachelor News. First, having your own show or advertising, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and stay informed. And listen, and also while you're at it, 
put this on your calendar every day. Uh, if you can't sleep on the East Coast, 3 a.m., we will be on the Bachelor News on Airtime Pro or 10 a.m. in the morning. Or if you're on the if you're on Cocoa Time, which is the Pacific Time, uh, it's midnight or 7 a.m. in the morning on the Bachelor News right. Radio ne- Radio Network. Okay, I'm going to ask you one quick question here, Justin, because I want to get your kind of opinion. Uh, all right, Florida is looking at their data, and if I understand this correctly, they're trying to assess you know what's the death with COVID, you know, as opposed to somebody with COVID who dies versus somebody who dies because of COVID. And if I'm not if I'm not missing it, and maybe you can correct me, are they saying that there's like a 40% differential on that score? 100%. Yeah, that's exactly right. 40% differential on that. And one of the reasons for that is that the CDC mandated that, let's say, for example, someone got COVID in March, okay? They got better. Maybe they were hospitalized. Maybe they weren't. Three months later, you know, the guy is 80 years old, 82, 83 years old. The average age of death is 83 years old, and he actually passes away, and he passes away after some treatment in the hospital. The doctor must, by law, codify that as a COVID death. And there are two sections to the death certificate. If it's in the first section, then, yeah, it was absolutely a COVID death. If it was in the section underneath it, he was mandated to put it in there, even if it had nothing to do with the person's death. And that's one of the reasons why these numbers are so high. Now, there, there's a case made that we should log these so we can understand, you know, where the impact has been. Uh, but, but COVID is a very, uh, you know, widespread disease, and it tends to hit the most vulnerable. Uh, in fact, the, if you look at each age bracket, the risk of death is basically the risk of death of dying of anything else. So if you're, you know, if you're 80 years old, that's kind of the standard. Uh, you have the highest risk. Uh, every 20 years underneath that, your risk goes down by 10 times. So literally someone who is 20 years old has a thousand times lower risk of dying of COVID, a thousand times than an 80-year-old. And, and that's why it's been so um, dramatically frustrating to see that the implementation of the lockdowns against a disease that has a very predictable sort of path and a very predictable vulnerable population affects all people. And then there are lockdown deaths. Um, and that's, what's really interesting here when we, when we get down to it. Okay. Real quick question, because I want to kind of leave the audience because if we're talking 40% and let's say I know Debbie Burks uh, has, you know, she has been quoted at 25% off. We are still talking 180, 150, 180,000 deaths. Regardless, overall, you know, and so I mean that's if, I, if my calculation is correct, so it's not like this, you know, that the death total is it's it's significantly lower, and certainly one would have would want to have better policies if we know the, you know, have a better estimate of what is a COVID death versus let's say what is not or somebody with COVID. But still, we're still yeah, no, absolutely, it's a it's a challenge as disease in that part. It mirrors very much the 1955-56 pandemic and what we saw there. Uh, and so, you know, these things yeah. come around and they, they come through, uh, you know, the populations. And look, uh, Moscow is as far from Gibraltar as New York is from San Diego. So uh, we're a very large and very regional country. And what we're seeing right now is the waves of COVID uh, wafting against different populations that haven't yet gotten it. Uh, and yet we've created this one-size-fits-all policy around lockdowns, which has dramatic effects like 
46% of cancers went undiagnosed during this period. 50% of chemo treatments went undone. 50% of immunizations, and I know this personally, went undone because you couldn't get your kid to the, to the doctor because it wasn't deemed necessary, right? So now my kid's at risk. And so we, when we try to protect everyone, we end up protecting really no one. Yeah. All right, Duncan, let's go over to the election here. And I'll start with you, Kyle, because I know you, got, you and Coco are probably happier than Justin and I. So your thoughts? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I think we have, you know, a, a lot of the country that's uh, that's super happy about, uh, you know, Biden winning the election and um, and a bunch of people who are not. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it basically right now it would be, it would be nice if if we if everyone could just be grown up and um, and he could, you know, accept the losing an election. Um, and I think that we would all be better for it. But, uh, you know, the, the children I, are at I, the table running around in the house right now, and, uh, and we have to deal with it for 70 days. Okay, yeah, I, I, here's the funny Here's the funny thing. Um, I, 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 I have a hobby. I don't know if it's a hobby. It's more of a kink um, at this point. It's where <laughs> I kind of just go on the Fox News feed just to, like, and I don't do it, like, I, I don't say, like, mean things. I don't say mean, harsh things. Literally, all out. I, I think I want. It was like this weekend. I learned what true hate was. Um, I had posted. Joe Biden had posted something, and Fox News tweeted it or whatever. And so I have them on my notifications on Twitter. So I immediately get. I immediately reply. Oh, I, you wouldn't. You would have thought that I literally asked them to sacrifice their own children or like drink the blood of like goats or something. Literally, all I said was like wear a mask. And Tom, I I literally am still going through like people with like these 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 QAnon like people, and how I know the QAnon is because they blatantly stated it on their profile. It was just like attack after attack to the point where like they're not they're not even letting me respond to them because they're blocking me, and they're sending me like private messages. Like I just went through about 10 private messages from QAnon, um, like, Jew bitch, or, you know, saying, like, oh, just, 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 like, horrible stuff, and I, feel like, literally all I said was wear a mask, like, yeah. I mean, okay. it, yeah. in a way, it's, it's, like, if that is so triggering to them, like, I can't imagine, like, if I actually said something mean, you know, and it's, like, really the whole... The whole QAnon is just kind of fascinating to me because, like, apparently, like, uh, who was it? Marsha Blackburn stated it was like a Democratic, like, you know, conspiracy or something. And it's like, like, I, I don't know. I, I just know that people on QAnon are, are like absolute batshit crazy. Okay. Uh, okay, Justin, your thoughts. Well, look, I would say that you'd be hard pressed to find a single elected official. Who believes in QAnon? Okay, like I, I guarantee you that 70% of the Republican Party has no idea what you're talking about. Whereas I can go to actual elected Democrats, and they will tell me that Trump is an actual puppet of Putin, that he's being paid, and he's a Russian asset, right? And that won't get flagged at all. So I'm coming a little bit hot on the fire because I got banned from Twitter today. I have a timeout for 12 hours because someone on the left said, you know, what we did to Mussolini. When he was a dictator, is he was taken, he was pissed on, his body was put on a meat hook for display. And literally she said, 
So the left, so, so conservatives ought to be thankful for how we're treating Trump right now. And I said, okay, so shorter version, you think Trump should be put up on a meat hook. And for that, I was banned from Twitter for 12 hours. So uh, the, well, the conspiracies I, I, I go both ways, and there's very passionate people. What's that? Can I, can I can I give you an explanation why probably you were banned? Um, because I have oh, been banned yeah. before. I actually – Donald Trump actually blocked me on Twitter, and it started a whole fiasco, and then I eventually got <laughs> kicked off Twitter for about, like, a whole year. And oh, my gosh. I think – yeah, I was kicked off for about, like, a year and a half, I think. Um, and it wasn't until, like, last January where I got I, – I had to start all over. I had, like – I think it was like 10,000 followers. I had something like that. And so I basically had to rebuild. And what I think it is, is like Twitter has like these um, automated, if you see like these, and I, I talked to someone because I know someone who works um, through, through on for Twitter. Like they, their job is to go through like harassment um, tweets or whatever. And so what they said to me was that, Sometimes it's automated, so they'll see, like, if you call someone, like, like for instance, the guy who called me a Jew bitch, like, <laughs> Jew, like, they're not, if, if you say, like, white or Jew or, or like, yeah, yeah, that will trigger for sure. like that, you'll, you'll get, you'll get flagged for sure. So that's why no, they, a lot they, of people, they, they like, flag me for targeted harassment, but I, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm a big boy. I can handle yeah, it. But yeah, it, I, I, I would probably, say, I would just push back a little bit and say, look, QAnon, is like a, such a fringe group. There's not a single elected Republican who believes anything about it. And, and I well, think actually, most people, you know. There, there, well, actually, there's one. There is one in Georgia. She got elected. Michelle Green. <laughs> so. Oh, the Michelle Green, that, that one gal? Yeah. I think it's still very fringe. I don't think that it, it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely not they're something so that most Republicans though. live their life I mean, by. To me, like, they're but, so scary because, like, one of them tried to dox me at one point. I remember when QAnon started, like, I actually saw a poster in Hollywood for QAnon. I was like, what is this shit? And <laughs> one of them, like, a lot of these, they're like 4chan conspiracy, you know, JFK is yeah. still alive. JFK Jr. is still alive, you know, and they're <laughs> scary. To me, they're like the Proud Boys. Like, dude, if I ever encountered one, like, I don't know what I would do because – I've had some bad, bad experiences with with those people. Like, and I'm not talking about conservatives. I'm talking about the Qs. No, I tell um, you, I talk yeah. about bad experiences. How about my neighbor who owns an auto parts store here in San Diego that was burned to the ground by BLM? You know, that's what scares me is the actual violence that I see, which is burning downtown. Well, I don't think BLM which, does turn, that. So, because I've been a part of the well, protests for well, like many years, and I, I I've know, never but, but, ever. <laughs> honestly encountered any it. of them I mean, there's like, shit like that there's hundreds of these like there's hundreds of these things happening right why else are they spray painting on the boards outside of dc boarded up shops i support blm right i mean yeah. we know this happens this is not like uh, this is factually sort of like established but regardless i think it's a very passionate election and i think it brings out the passions in people um you know and i think that you know there are different things that trigger some people and we have to get people i think in general just to be mature enough. But look, uh, the, the election itself, uh, this is, I'm old enough to remember back to the year 2000, where, uh, you know, a woman crying in Broward County uh, that she may have punched a Chad for Bush and not for Gore would bring every single news person to her front door demanding that we have a re-election, right? And now we have evidence of some actual fraud and some very interesting anomalies that will be investigated. And so I hope this will play out. 
I hope that when it's done, and I think probably Trump uh, will lose the election, that he puts on his big both hands and he, and he doesn't. I think he will, actually. But I think there's a general sense that Americans have across the board that they want this to be a fair and free election. And there are a lot of anomalies that people want investigated. And we know that, you know, there's some – when you go, for example, well, in mean, Pennsylvania from – yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's hold on to that thought um, uh, because cause I, before we get into that, because I wanted to uh, – because I don't want to interrupt you before our next break, which is normally be at uh, 6.25 Eastern Time, 3.25, but uh, since we're about to get into a heavy discussion here, I don't want to interrupt it. So – I'm Donaldson, Coco Gonski with Kyle Hester uh, and uh, Justin Hart here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It's Tom Dawson. Welcome back to Johnson Files with Coco Konski. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. listen to this care carefully. Write this down. Um, you can listen to this show every day on the bachelornews.airtime.pro, 3 a.m., 10 a.m. Or if you live on the Pacific Coast with Justin and Coco, it's midnight and 7 a.m. So, and tomorrow's show is going to be another great show. We're going to have Wilf O'Reilly, um, who, by the way, has done three separate studies on lockdown impact, Lauren Byers and Jim Eccles. Uh, tomorrow's show, so it should be another great show. All right, let's. Okay, we talk about not. Let me ask this question. Because let me. I'm going to put it in this way, because I have. I mean, unlike you know, I I do this for a living, but I have also, you know, we've done with the foundation I work with. We've done two separate studies, for example, illegal citizens voting, and we've discussed voter fraud. So I've done two separate studies, and the study I did basically had, and there was a study before my study was done at Old Dominion College. The interesting aspect, and and this is a point that Justin, you made, and I want to kind of, you know, put this. You know, I believe fraud occurred. The question I would have is what I call MOF, margin of fraud. You know, was it beyond the margin of fraud? And certainly, based on let's say things, you know, the data we've collected over the years, and I will count the Old Dominion study from 2008 to 2018, and there'll be some more additional data collected for 2020. Is a fraud occurred? Uh, but it always, with the one possible exception, exceeded the margin of fraud. In other words, the people who won should have won. The people who lost should have lost. The only exception is the old Dominion study felt that, and this is the key element here, that John McCain should have won the Electoral College of North Carolina in 2008. Let's understand, he still would have lost the election because uh, it was that wide of a margin. But if we're looking at you know, states and Electoral College, you know, this is why it matters not so much for this election, but for elections down the road. And there are some anomalies out there. There are some, you know, affidavits out there. And and certainly, if you look at the Pennsylvania court case, 
I think this is an interesting court case because, in effect, the Supreme Court, based on what the Supreme Court has got to decide, is Pennsylvania had a state law that was very, very specific. It was very specific. It said mail-in ballots have to be at this time. They did make adjustments in the law for the pandemic, but they kept that provision and everything had to be done. You had a court case. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said, no, you can't do that. You have to basically said, we don't care what the law said. We're going to give you X number of 10 days extra to do, you know, to do this. And to me, this is important because you can't have courts overturning specific state law. Yeah, and I that's, think that's correct. Yeah. That's and the, and the, the, when it first came to, to the Supreme Court, they, they chose not to expedite it, meaning they said it's still on the docket, but we're not going to deal with it right now. And now it's coming back to them. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting because you're right. I think on the whole, like, for example, when Bush won uh, the initial count, um, mm-hmm. I, I looked back at the headlines the week of the election in 2000, and most uh, news rags were saying that Bush won. But a month later, the Supreme Court indicated that there was life back into the Gore campaign and that they had to recount Florida. Uh, but in the end, that 500, pers- you know, 500 uh, count margin kind of held, and I think that's probably what's going to happen around this time. But look, there are some serious anomalies. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania changed the massive way that they do uh, voting, where like there were absentee votes that were uh, 95,000 or 95,000 Democrats who issued ni- uh, absentee ballots. In 2016, this year that was 1.5 million because he changed the law. So there was a 10 times factor of the number of votes that they had to count, and lots of issues around that. So this will be a really interesting case coming up. We'll have to see. Okay, here's the question. I want to throw it back to you, Kyle. This is that okay? I I will put this argument this way. In the state of Michigan, for example, you got 150,000. You know, I'm gonna be very blunt as a guy who does this for a living. Even in Cities like Detroit or in Chicago or Philadelphia, it's hard to steal 150,000 votes. Uh, So I would say no matter how you do it. But I do think that we need to be looking at this issue because of 2022. Namely, if we're having issues with possible fraud, you know, let's find out the number and then let's make sure it doesn't happen in 2022. That's my thought. I don't have any problems with the recount. I don't have any problems with some results. I would say I don't see anything like in Pennsylvania, it's a 50,000 vote margin. That's pretty hard to cheat. I mean, that's pretty hard to, to, uh, to wiggle out, even Philadelphia. That's a lot of votes to steal. It's the Donaldson version of you know, margin of fraud. You know, 10,000 votes in Philadelphia is nothing. 50,000 difficult, 150,000 virtual impossibility. But I would love to know the exact numbers and what we need to do because it's going to come up again. And that's, you know, so is it wrong to at least look at these cases and say, what is the number of fraud? I'll start with you, Kyle, and we'll go to Coco. Sure. Well, I think that, um, I think that using that word um, fraud pretty loosely, I think, is pretty uh, is dangerous and inaccurate. Because if you look at, like, what are the actual cases, you know, and it's like if everyone's saying there's there's fraud in these elections, which is by and by mostly entirely not true. 
because no one has shown any evidence of this fraud. I mean, that you're right. Occurring. Even Tucker Carlson today was like saying, I mean, if Tucker Carlson, my God, I cannot stand that man. But if, if he's saying that there's really no proof right now about voter fraud, like, you know, it, it, to me, it, 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 it's like, it, you know, and now what worries me is our defense right now is how he's, he, you know, he, he fired, you know, the main guy, uh, you know, and now, he, he, you know, another guy quit because of the firing. And it's like, you know, he can fire as many people as he wants. He has 70 days. I mean, hell, he could fire, like, the entire White House staff, you know. But, oh, yeah, not, not only that, but, I mean, he blocked the ascension, you know, um, the the rule where they basically, for the transfer of monies to the next oh, yeah, president-elect, they've blocked those monies from coming. If absolutely. anyone is, like, yes. cheating anything and being fraudulent about the correct voting of these votes and what happens in an election, it's President Trump. Well, I mean, absolutely. Well, let me because you guys make no effort. I mean, here, we have literally hundreds of affidavits in many of these states. We're not talking one, one time. We're talking hundreds of affidavits. We've got anomalies in numbers. You know, uh, so we can't sit back and say there's no evidence. There is enough evidence to investigate. You know, and that's not what – I mean, I did hear what Tucker Carlson said. I don't think – Tucker Carlson didn't say that. What he stated, he says he didn't see where there's a pathway. To winning for Trump to win, but he did state that there was evidence to investigate. There's a difference. You know, he's not saying there's nothing there to investigate. He's simply saying, you know, that most, you know, that what we're going to see is what we have right now, a Biden victory. And I do think. I mean, when you got hundreds of affidavits, thousands of, you know, listed complaints, just the name, you have at least in Michigan, you've had two machines that we now find out. That a, you know, they said one thing, and then and then all of a sudden you find out, oh, there was ten thousand votes that went the other way. And the question is, how many of these computers are out there making these kind of mistakes? You know, so it's yeah, not it, it'll be interesting. I um, yeah. I was gonna say I had so someone I don't send me the actual software, and I, I'm looking at yeah. it right now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the point is this: there, you know, to say there's no evidence, there is evidence. There is evidence. The only question yeah, I, I think Coco is right that the, what Tucker Carlson said was that he doesn't see strong evidence right now, and they need to produce some. I think that's probably accurate, uh, but I think there's a lot of smoke. Um, for example, I'm a statistician, and one of the things I look at is Benford's Law, and there's some interesting things that happen there. Um, and you know, there's there's going to be some some very compelling pieces there. Are you are you at the Bayou now, and you're freaking frogs in the background? Are you filming yeah. that zombie film right now? <laughs> you know what? Um, no, I I am not in the bayou, but um, but I am. You are hearing crickets. So yeah, this is um, basically I'm in the middle yeah. of a forest. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, like I said, yeah. Like I said, my my view would be it's worth investigating for the reason I just stated, and it's worth to go through this court case because of 2022. Let's find out the numbers. Let's find out what we got. Let's find out about these computer programming where you have literally. Literally, you know, you know, I mean, like I said, there's at least two elections that somehow or another they went one way, then they play around with the, then they go back and find the mistake. And my question is, how many other computer glitches are there out there? I mean, this is not an insignificant issue, regardless of whether you, you know, like I say, you know, you know, to me, when you got can, can hundreds I just say of that, real quick, yeah, sure. 
I, I just think it's, it's hilarious how, you know, um, Trump, President Trump was like very against mail-in voting, and you know, and it's like, well, how come we have so many? Like, why is it most mail-in voting for Biden? Well, uh, yeah, your supporters were obviously going to listen to you if you told them mail-in mail mail-in ballot voting is like fraudulent. They're not going to vote for you. Obviously, they're not going to do that. And the reason is, is you know, a lot of people showed up early. A lot of people voted early, myself included. You know, you know my story situation, Tom. Like I had kidney stones and I voted, you know, and I did yeah. the mail in ballot voting. You know, so you can't you no. can say, you know, how why are why are there so many votes for Biden mail in? Well, duh, you told your supporters not to do that. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. But like I said, I mean basically and the other aspect comes in play is this. You know, it's nice to complain about Donald Trump you know, being slow and accepting this, but for four years we were told that Donald Trump stole, you know, was a puppet of Putin and all of this crap. We now know, based on A, Department of Justice data, B, intelligence data, C, various congressional reports, the vice report, Inspector General reports, get even thrown the Mueller report, that in June, as early as June 2016, the administration, the FBI, the CIA, knew this was a fake, knew it was a hoax. And yet they allowed to be continued. So I don't. I mean, it's, I mean, you've got. I mean, here's. I mean, my view is, you allow this to happen for four years. In the case of Biden, in the case of Biden, he knew it four years ago. You know, he could easily have stated any time in 2017 the evidence is not there. Well, I think Coco uh, has a so, point. I think there is there is some you know critique to made on uh, yeah. the way that uh, Trump dealt with yeah. with that. I think there was a lot of unknowns. Uh, yeah. But I think Trump is basically just following Hillary Clinton's advice. You know, Hillary Clinton told uh, Biden, under no circumstances should you concede. And uh, I think he's just taking that to heart. So he's he's doing the same thing. And there's nothing <laughs> illegal about what he's doing because he hasn't conceded. So no one has won the election. Not a single state has certified uh, their totals yet. So, it, it you know, legally, he's perfectly within bounds. There's nothing uh, illegal about it. And also, I'll make a note, it's but- kind of funny to, to see a lot of people say, you know, we're so glad we got rid of this dictator. And I say, yeah, you know, my grandpa told me about Stalin and Mussolini and how they ended their reigns by slight margins in democratic elected electoral processes across multiple states with a democracy. You know, that, that's not how dictators act. If, if Trump was truly a dictator, then you would all be dead now, right? <laughs> and, and he would be taking over the whole thing. He, he will comply with whatever the results are, even though if he doesn't like it right now. But he's going to exhaust I every I don't effort. Think anyone's saying that, I don't think anyone's saying that Trump is a dictator. I think he wants to be a dictator, but he, he can't <laughs> be a dictator in America because this no, is America. No, literally, AOC thinks he's a dictator. Elected officials, Democrats, feel that he is worse than Stalin and Hitler. And you know, don't be surprised when people are out there celebrating the street like they just got rid of a dictator because that's what they've been told for the last four years. You know what? Hold on, Jeff, I yeah, will be one of those people dancing in the streets when he's no longer president. Well, that on that particular score, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> uh, this is Tom Donaldson and Coco Constant, Kyle Hester, and Justin Hart here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Tune in to You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. 
Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com in the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. And also, don't forget, it's the Dr. Larry Show with Dr. Larry Federer. Dr. Larry Federer takes a look at politics from a conservative perspective in the Trump era, or soon to be the Biden era. Listen to him live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at blocktalkradio.com slash L.A. Bachelor. The podcast of his show every day at 2 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bachelor News Airtime Pro. Interested in having your own show or advertising? Email us at LABachelor40 at gmail.com. And also, don't forget, our show is at 3 a.m., 10 a.m. every day on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. And on the Pacific time, or as we like to say, Coco Justin time, it is midnight and 7 a.m. And if you're sitting here in central parts, middle America, well, it'll be uh, 9 a.m. And 2 a.m. If I get my numbers right. All right. Uh, let me ask. Here's the. Here's the. I'm gonna give you two very interesting dichotomy, and I'd love to have all three of your comments on this. Donald Trump got a higher percentage of Hispanic voters more than any other, you know, since 2004. And you made up. And he is the fifth. He has the fifth highest percentage. Of Hispanic votes since 1960. Uh, he got the highest. Okay, well, black hold on, vote. hold on. No, 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 wait a minute. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Let me finish these stats and then you can jump in. Yeah. He also got more, per, higher percentage of black voters, according to, let's say, the, most of the exit polls, since 1976. That, and 1.5 to 2 million Hispanics and black voters who did not vote for Trump. Voted for Trump. Now, here's the reverse side. Hillary Clinton got 37% of white voters. Joe Biden got 42% of white voters for an additional 6 million white voters over what Hillary got in 2016. I'm just giving you the data. All right. We'll start with Kyle. What's your thoughts? When you read that, listen to that, what's your thoughts? Well, I think that that's a that's a big uh, it's a big pie to dissect, and it's also a little comparing apples and oranges with mixing Hillary in there with your baseline, you know, of Hispanic right. voters over time. Um, so it's it's a lot to dissect in, in that one little thing. But um, I think it's 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 a totally interesting. He put out a lot of disinformation in South Florida, you know, with the socialism and comparing like Castro and all that kind of stuff to Biden. And that's how he got a lot of South Florida, you know, with Absolutely. the Hispanic community. A hundred percent. And so, I don't mean to interrupt you, Kyle, but like I'm Cuban, I'm, <laughs> I'm Latina, I'm Jewish. And, you know, if you were to ask me like Trump to me, and this is the reason why like, I did not vote Trump and like I will never vote Trump. Um, he reminds me of, of a Batista, Batista. He really, truly does. You know, it, it's like, and I, I understand the Cuban, why you know, they didn't vote. It's because they automatically assume, you know, oh, oh, well, the Trump said Joe Biden is a socialist. Well, then he's a socialist. And of course they're going to get scared because they're from a country where socialism is real. You know, dictatorship is real. You know, um, 
I I know a thing or two about that being Cuban, and you know it, it's just a ploy. It's just, it's a total it's just a total yeah, ploy because it, if, if I look at the facts. Okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. Okay, okay, Justin, go yeah. ahead. Wait, it was not just Florida. You look at the most populated Hispanic county in the country is in southern Texas there, and that absolutely flipped for Trump. These are people who live there in that community, and they recognize that the wall works. They recognize that Trump has their backs on these issues because their community is ridden with crime. And here's the other thing. Like you saw Andrew Yang, who uh, you know on CNN the other night was talking about when he talks to voters in middle America, they come back and tell him, look, the Democrats basically believe in these very you know, social uh, East Coast, West Coast, coastal elite social issues that they really are not the high of their priority. When they're talking about, well, we need a separate bathroom for transgender people, and you go down to that county in southern Texas or you go down to Florida, they're like, look, that is not high in my priority. Why are you making that a priority? I want jobs. I want security. I want to be safe. And those are things they bring. And then, you know, white liberal elites come in, and you'll appreciate this, Coco, when they say, well, the Latinx community, right? You talk to anyone in the Latino community, they go, we don't identify with that adjective at all. And, and so the, these are well, things okay, that I think on, really no, recognize that, 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 that part. A lot of a lot of that's true, but there are also like a lot of Latins who who are you know with the whole Latinx, you know who who just don't care what other people call themselves. You know, I mean, yeah, I I have I have encountered a lot of Latinas who do not like the term Latinx. Like, um, yeah, but you know. For me, it's 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 like I don't think it was because so many people wanted Biden. It was because so many people were sick of Trump. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask, that, let's, that, go, let's go back to yeah. Let me go back to because here's a, you know you mentioned okay Florida and the socialist aspect. Well, here's the thing: you've got people in the Democratic Party who are self-avowed socialists. You got a platform like on the Green New Deal. Essentially, has been written by Alexandra Cortez and her group, and and they're still going to be there on January first. First, my so here's my question: I'm going to throw back to both Kyle and let's throw back to Coco. What you know, we, you've got like an Alexandra Cortez who's who is a socialist. She's self-avowed. It's not even you know she is self-avowed. She makes it. There's only forty or fifty. Representative in the Democratic caucus who are members of the Democratic Socialists of America. So, okay, well, but why? Do not, please do not, please do not uh, mix, you know, Biden supporters with AOC supporters. Like we're not the same. You know, like yep. I have talked to so many people. So I don't, I don't like AOC. I'm sick of her shit too. You know, yeah. I mean, like she couldn't wait till after Joe Biden got sworn in to go off on all these other Democrats. Like no, like. I, I'm not an AOC supporter by any means. So for uh, for like all these conservatives to lump us in with saying how like like we're all for OC, no, we're not. We're not. We're not socialists. I'm sorry. Like no, move on. Yeah, no, but I mean, here's the thing. She's writing the Green New Deal. I mean, the Green New Deal is coming from her. I mean, it's not like she's not part of the team. It's not like these people are not integral. It's I mean, that's the thing. It's easy. To well, she, can, she can write whatever she wants to write, but Biden has already said that he's not doing the new green, the green new deal. He's going to do his yeah, own version of things. They all raised their hands in the primaries and said they support it. And they support, for example, yeah. against fracking. Yeah. They support replacing oil. I mean, these are things that, that AOC has pushed them way to the left. 
And you look at the the big voices like the Young Turks, AOC, and they're all like, you know, look, Nancy, get out of the way. Biden, you're the problem. Let us run this thing and we'll get you, you know, the next set of elections. And I think a lot of Democrats agree with that. Okay, Coco, I'm going to let you finish up here and we'll go to the next subject. Subject. Coco? Yes. Oops. Yeah, go go ahead and finish up then. We're going to go into uh, the next subject. All right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, I hate, I hate when people like, 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 think like I like AOC because like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, liberal, whatever. Like, if anything, I'm a moderate, you know. And um, I actually have a problem with with what she was saying these last couple of days, and you know how, like, you know, to me she's very divisive, and for me it's like you couldn't wait like 70 days. <laughs> when Biden's, like, in office to, like, you know, go against other Democrats, like Doug Jones, Alabama. Like, obviously, she had all this, like, support, and obviously she had all these this money coming in, and Doug Jones didn't. You know, it, yeah. it's not about popularity. It, it's about economics. And, you know, yeah. Doug Jones didn't get as much support as, let's say, AOC. So for her to, like, kind of go after those who didn't raise money like she does um, kind of pissed me off. Yeah. I'll agree with that. I think she's okay. spoken at a turn a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me put it. Now I'm going to throw in it because uh, we talked about the, the mistakes of polling and all of that. And everybody's saying, I'm going to throw this on. I'm going to have you Justin, come in first, but I'm going to give you a theory because we look at the polling, how off a good portion of these pollings were. And most of these pollings, that were way off were, were usually associated with major media networks, CNN, NBC, ABC, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post. And, and I'm going to put this way. One of the things that I see in this, you know, over the past year with COVID is the complete collapse of the scientific class. And this is what I mean. I mean, where instead of having scientific debates and discussions, it's like there's the conventional wisdom, and if you go against it, uh, and I know, Justin, you and I have had this conversation, you know, you're going to get marked. You know, the, you know, the fight against Scott Atlas is a good example, where he was declared an outlier, and yet there's 12,000 scientists around the world that pretty much supports the things he's stated about COVID as an example. And I always kind of wonder with Polster. Is that they're not? None of these guys are going to pay a price for their mistakes, because essentially they were doing, in my view, they were stacking the deck for a specific reason on behalf of the people paying them to give them the results that they wanted. In other words, this is a complete collapse of data collection of data people collecting data purposely, in my view. No, that's just my view. Yeah, I, I, purpose. I hope they're dead. I hope that industry is dead, 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 because yeah. uh, I, I've known this for a while now. I remember uh, on the, the eve of the Romney campaign, the pollster got up there and said, we are effing going to win this thing. And when we lost, we're like, what's going on? Next day, he's hired by Jeb Bush. And then it goes on and on. You look at, for example, Susan Collins in Maine. Every single pollster had her losing by eight points. And she won by eight points. And it was, or, or something like that. It was, it's ridiculous. It's it is the most masterful thing. You know, I wish at some point 
there might be a truck that would drive by and a bag of votes would just fall off of it for Trump. Isn't it interesting that the pollsters always go one direction? All the votes that are found go in one direction. Look, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy any more than media bias is a conspiracy. It's just the way things are done. And so people are going to have to either correct themselves, check their bias at the door, or figure something else. But I hope that the, you know, there's a real shakeup of that industry because it has not served anyone well. On the Democratic side, they had a big conference called the day after the election, and I think uh, a lot of people got an earful as to how bad the polling was off, especially down ballot. Yeah. Okay. That, that, I'm going to well, say I one mean, other thing. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Coco. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of COVID, like, um, I I haven't seen anybody in, like, nine months. Um, my choice, obviously. You know, I, I have, like, a stepdaughter who's, like, 15, and she comes over. So there's no way in hell I'm going out. Um, the only person I do come in contact with, and he's uh, he's a, he's a he's a great friend of mine. He's an actor. He's right now on set, and they test him like six times a week. So I feel pretty comfortable being around him. Um, I guess my whole point is, it's like it's like I I even if if like you know when we get this vaccine, you know even so when we get it, and like obviously I'm going to be getting it. Um, I think everybody should. But, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend like, like COVID doesn't exist. I'm not going to be one of those people, like, like going out to meet. I mean, the CDC just released uh, Thanksgiving, um, I guess you would call protocol, <laughs> and, which is basically what I'm doing. Like, I'm only going to be having Thanksgiving with my parents, and, you know, um, it's just going to be three people there pretty much. And we're all eating, like, outside the patio. Um I, I, I just I don't I, I just don't quite understand the whole refusal to wear masks when like half of these guys go hunting for eight hours like in their in their whole gear and they have a mask on for eight hours covered in deer piss. Um so I I, I just I don't understand like the fighting of not wearing a mask when you go out. Like that it's literally boggling my mind. You know, I, it got, I've seen, it got politicized. I, I, like and it should have never gotten I, I encountered a woman. Well, but, I encountered a woman, deal, folks. I mean, you you, yeah, you can look at this anecdotally, and you can say, I, I, I've been wearing masks since March. You probably have too. Okay, everywhere I go out, Absolutely. every store I go to, I, everyone is wearing masks. It has made that's an all, ounce of difference. That's all I'm saying. That, that's all I'm saying. That's what, but, because but, the reason, but that's the thing. It hasn't made an ounce of difference. None of the data show it. We have it, the it data. Has. And, and the, the yeah, yeah, will not true. Show the it has. I'll give you ben an example. Carson, no, no, ben no, no, Carson look, look, has guys. it right now. Hurricane died of it. And why? Because they went to these crowded places with, where people didn't believe in math. And now, you know, Ben no. Carson it's, it's, is it's like not the data, sick guys. with it. It's Although he data. said he may have gotten it through Mars, whatever. But I'm saying, guys, you know, <laughs> yeah, of here's, course here's Republicans where the left, it's not it's not about believing in masks, it's about believing in the data, okay? Like, for example, I was supposed to be on a panel today. This goes to your point, Tom. I was supposed to be on a panel today with the CDC Director of Mortality Statistics. The panelists called up and said they were uncomfortable being on the, the show with me because I could produce data that would embarrass them, all right? That's basically what it came down to. So they had to rescind my offer, censor me from the show, because I have data showing. So, for example, here's a stat that, that you may have heard. A thousand Americans are dying a day from COVID. That is not true. A thousand Americans have not died of COVID since the middle of August. All you see is the reported that's set false. of deaths. I'm that sorry, are, that's huh? false. 
No, it's not. I mean, I have the data. This is from the CDC. The last time we averaged 1,000 days, 1,000 deaths a day over a week's period was August 15th and that week of the, the, the 15th there. So when you look at the data, you are being fed a bunch of lies, okay? And you're being fear-mongered to. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. telling you, this is what happened because I do this now, and I know the data on this thing. Tom knows this data as well. And I'd love to have another conversation because I think it's important to note why we have been shut in lockdown. And you can see everyone I know is wearing masks, and the thing is still growing, right? Everyone you know is wearing masks, and it is still growing and growing and growing. And it's not just yeah, those people why, that, you know, that are – LA, LA, LA is doing much better than I would say any other red state right now. I would say that right now. I, I, I bet my life but, but on it. But you look at because... Florida. Florida has been open for six weeks, and their deaths keep going down. I go to Florida. You don't have to wear a mask almost anywhere, and it is totally well, I fine. I will never go to Florida because I'm not an idiot, and I'm from Florida, <laughs> and I think those people are but idiots. Come on, Coco. Coco, okay. listen to yourself. Yeah, you say they that. are. I mean, you're going to go it, it, out. You're going to go to a bar. You're going to yeah. you know, do whatever it is, not wear a mask. I'll, I'll let the audience oh my God, decide who the know, rational person uh, someone is. Someone I know came down COVID. Big shot. Yeah. I love you. We got we to oh, get yeah, together oh, for coffee. Yeah. This is a great discussion. But 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 yeah. listen okay. to it. I want the audience to think who is the rational person talking here. Okay, you're awesome. But let's get together and talk because I want people to see and discover what is really going on because it, okay, it's, it's not what you think it's not what you see. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off, uh, Justin, because we've got about three minutes left, and I want to give everybody a shot to advertise what they're doing. So. Kyle, personally, thank you for being on the show uh, down there in Louisiana. Uh, appreciate it, uh, taking your time uh, doing so. So tell everybody what they need to know, to, you know, the latest movies, how they can get a hold of your movies, how they can contact you. Go. No problem. First of all, I just want to say I did go inside because the crickets were super loud out there, so they were overbearing <laughs> they were the conversation. Loud. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I would say look me up on YouTube, Kyle Hester. Just look up, do a search Kyle Hester on YouTube, and you'll see all the information there. Or you can find me on Twitter at Kyle B. Hester, and, um, and I'm always there. You can DM, and I do answer DMs if you have questions and whatnot. So and thank you so much for having me on the show, Tom. I appreciate it. I always love having you on the show. Okay, Justin, uh, Rational uh, Myself, tell you, everybody. you'll find me back. Yeah, rationalground.com, but you'll find me back on Twitter, hopefully tonight after my expiration of suspension here, Justin underscore Hart. Okay, Coco, what's your latest project? So everybody should know. Um, my latest project. Um, oh, my happy because you got so many writing, projects, I can't keep um, up. What? You got so many projects, it's like I, I, do. I can't keep up. I'm, no, I know, and it's kind of crazy because I've been suffering – like fatigue the last couple days so i mean i think covid yeah. fatigue is a thing i'm going to say that right now yeah yeah no, i've never uh, been so exhausted in my life and i'm like i literally i'm gonna have to start taking like adderall to stay up like it's ridiculous i'll go to bed like at 8 8 p.m i'll wake up like at 9 a.m and i still am tired so mm-hmm. all right all right, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody very much. Uh, uh, we're going to wrap this up tomorrow night. Lauren Byers, Will for Riley, Jim Eccles. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of the similar things. It should be a lively conversation. Uh, this is Tom Donaldson here on the Donaldson Files saying thank you. Thank you to Kyle. Thank you to Justin. Obviously, thank you to Coco. And good night, America.
I grew up outside of Birmingham, a little place called Preckwell, Alabama. In 1985, uh, July, and I woke up uh, that morning and didn't have a care in the world. And I goes outside. I just happened to look up, and there stood two white gentlemen that I never seen before. And they said, "We have a warrant for your arrest." And I said, "For what?" And one of them replied, "We'll tell you that later." But right now, we want you to put your hands behind your back. I showed my mother the handcuff, and like any good mother, she began to scream and holler, what are those handcuffs doing on my baby? And on our way to the county jail, I asked the detective, why am I being arrested? I must have asked the detective at least 50 times, why am I being arrested? And finally, on the 51st time, he said, we're going to charge you with first-degree robbery, first-degree kidnap, first-degree attempted murder. I said, but I haven't done any of that. You got the wrong person. He said, let me tell you something right now. I don't care whether you did it or didn't do it. He said, but I'm going to make sure you found guilt of it. I said, for a crime I didn't commit? He said, you must have a hearing problem. Didn't I tell you I don't care whether you did it or didn't do it? He said, there's five things that are going to convict you. He said, number one, you're black. Number two, a white man is going to say you shot him. Whether you shot him or not, I do not care. He said, number three, you're going to have a white prosecutor. Number four, you're going to have a white judge. And number five, you're going to have an all-white jury. And he said, do you know what that spells? And he repeated the word, conviction, 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 conviction. Well, I went to trial and they convicted me of two counts of first-degree capital murder and on December 17, 1986, I went to Alabama death row where I would remain for the next 30 years of my life. And I was so angry with God and I was so angry with everything that went on with this case that I decided that I wasn't going to talk to anybody. Going into the fourth year, I woke up to the sound of a grown man crying. I got out of my bed and I went up to the bars and I said, sir, do you need me to call and get the officer back here? He said, no, I just got worried my mother died. And when he told me that, my heart just broke. I realized that my mother was still alive and I realized that I was still alive. And I realized for the last three years, I had gave the state of Alabama more than I intended to give. And I had gave them my joy. The day that I shook Brian Stevenson's hand, I knew that God had sent me his best lawyer. I said, Mr. Stevenson, if no two guns is alike, I know that the state of Alabama is telling a lie. I said, Mr. Stevenson, I need you to hire a ballistic expert. I need you to hire a white man. And I said, it definitely cannot be a person of color. Three months later, he informed me that he found three of the world renowned expert. Each one of them tested the gun, told Mr. Stevenson that the state of Alabama had made a mistake. On April the 3rd, 
2015, I walked out the Jefferson County Jail for the first time to freedom in 30 years. And it was like bittersweet, for I had wanted my mother to be there. And she just didn't survive that long. And I felt cheated, but I also was thankful that Brian Stevenson stayed with me through it all for 16 long years. My name is Anthony Ray Hinton, and this is my brief but spectacular take on claiming my life back. Hey, we want to welcome everyone to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, you just listened to a uh, recording, uh, an audio in reference to Anthony Ray Hinton, who spent, as you heard, 30 years uh, in an Alabama state prison for a crime that he did not commit. So uh, me and my co-host, who goes by the name of Chief Swaggity Swag, we're going to get into this conversation with our listeners today, and we're going to be talking about the criminal justice system is not broken. Is it doing what it was designed to do? So, Chief Swag, how you doing today? What's going on, man, and happy holidays to you and the listeners. You know, hey, Virgil, yes, I will sir. tell you, I will tell you, man, that audio recording sent chills up my spine. It, it definitely does. Yeah, it man. Look fine. Yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah, man. I, I, t- I tell you, you know, as uh, as we go along, Keith, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, the movie Just Mercy, uh, this gentleman, uh, actually his character was portrayed in the movie Just Mercy um, that um, Jamie Foxx, character who uh, this attorney uh, eventually, you know, freed him from prison. Several years later, he also was able to get Anthony Ray Hinton off of death row. So uh, it's when I saw this key, I, I said, you know, how is it that everything starts with the arrest that a police officer makes? And and to hear his words, Keith, say that these police detectives said, I don't care if you didn't do it or if you did do it, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you are found guilty of a crime. So that, like you said, Keith, it, it sends chills down through your body because here it is, a man, the the police, the criminal justice system robbed this man of 30 years of his life. So, you know, we're going to dive into how is it that we, people say, well, you know, there needs to be criminal justice reform. Uh, so I think this is going to be a great topic for us to talk about with our listeners. So we want to remind our listeners that, 
The call-in number to the show is 646-929-0130. That's 646-929-0130. And you can definitely, you know, get in on the chat room. You can let the producer know if you got a comment or a question, you can come on and and share your comments and questions. But, uh, but Keith, we're going to jump in and take our first break, but we're going to come back and we're going to get back into this hot topic. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Join Barry Barnes for Locker Talk on the Bachelor Pad Network as he presents NFL news and evaluates players Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Hit us up six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. The number. Get in touch with us, and uh, chat room is open online at blogtalkradio.com. You can hit us there, and on of course their Facebook page. On our Facebook page, it's uh, Pat Nation, Twitter Pat Nation Two as well. Don't forget, if you missed the rebroadcast. The the cast, the rebroadcast airs. 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern Time every single day at the Pro. Guys, I, I want to uh, pose the question to you as we look to some mystical there. Um, you know, when you you hear a story like that, it's a lot of emotions going through. I know Chief Humphrey, you said it's uh, uh, it's really compelling, but you you feel sad and you feel angered, you feel cheated for him. Um, you pray for him, uh, at least you know that's where I am, um, and it 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 gives you a feel, feeling of uh, of pessimism, like it won't change. Even with this election, guys, it just makes you feel a certain kind of way. Uh, and the last thing I would say, I want to take up your whole thing, that uh, it takes you back to. I mean, really, you go back to slavery days where, where whites were saying, we don't care mm-hmm. if you did or not. 
you're black, you're guilty, and we're going to pin this on you. We know you're not, but we're going to pin this on you anyway, Chief uh, Humphrey and, and, and Virgil. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right, L.A. I mean, you know, your comment about the, the this election, this election is not going to change uh, that much with the criminal justice system. I mean, that's my opinion. We would hope maybe that if there is some things that's put in that's put in place, or some people that are put in place to make some 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 positive changes, but you know, uh, this is something that just goes back to the slave patrol. This is something that goes back to to slavery. Something that just goes back to the civil rights era. Something that just goes back to something that we're living in 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 our lifetimes with. And this is something that happened in 1985. And so, you know, 30 years ago, I mean, that, that's not that long ago. And to know, to know LA, that there, is, there are more Anthony Ray Hintons that are in prisons across this country for crimes that they not, did not commit. And some of them have died. Some of them have been executed. Uh, they've died in prison just as natural causes. Some have been executed. Uh, and some are still appealing their processes, but this story right here, man, it just sends so much emotions, the fact that L.A., we, this is a profession that me and Keith enjoy. We, this is something that we like, but when you hear a man say that these police detectives said, you've got five things that's up against you, boy. Number one, you're black. Number two, a white man is going to say that you shot him. Number three, you got a white prosecutor. Number four, you got a white judge. Number five, you got a white all jury. So he, he had no possibility of having a fair trial. Because the police had already convicted him before he even went to trial. So Keith, that there, there's so so many things that's wrong with that one, with this story that we're talking about, and and that brings us to the question about uh, the criminal justice system. People say it's broken, but then I'm I'm going to say, is it really broken? Is, is it doing what it was designed to do? Well, you know, man, I, it goes back to uh, I'm from Dallas, and I remember uh, Craig Watts, Watkins, the first African-American district attorney in, in Dallas's history. And I remember that he had um, at least 20 exonerations where he went back and opened up cases to where the district attorney's office and the police either hid information from the defense attorney or uh, didn't get accurate witness information and things like that. Uh, you know, we talk about the movie Hurricane, uh, uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter, yeah. the boxer that's been mm-hmm. many years in, in Tinker. And, I, and I, I, I met a young man that was one of those uh, 20 individuals that Craig Watkins uh, helped exonerate. And I was at a speaking engagement, and he was there. And I sit there, and I listen to this man's story. And the only thing, Virgil, in L.A. that I could do 
following his story was apologize to him for what the profession the 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 profession that that I've chosen to go into to protect people from feeling oppressed and feeling safe had done to him. The the all I could do was was apologize. I couldn't try to make any excuses. I couldn't try to um uh pacify him. I couldn't do any of that. All I could do was apologize, shake his hand, give him a hug, and apologize uh, for what uh, the criminal justice system had done to him. And 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 the, you're right. This happens to so many people uh, daily that it's all about numbers. It's yeah, all about it getting the. It's all about the percentage of numbers uh, of convictions. Yeah. Uh, and things like that, and that's the sad thing about it that people are their freedoms put in jeopardy in jeopardy because of we got to get this case cleared up so. yeah well, you know you Keith, you bring up the 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 uh hurricane uh Ruben hurricane, you know the character that Denzel Washington played, and the fact that this man did not commit the crime that these a white detective said that he had committed, you know, in this situation, this case with Anthony Ray Hinton has some very, some similarities to the Ruben Hurricane story because, you know, he was, this man, Anthony Ray Hinton, he was never interviewed by the police. He was never brought in for any questioning. And so just out the blue one day, the detective showed up at his door and said, hey, we've got an arrest warrant for you. You're going to jail. And at the time, Keith, when this when these crimes were committed, he was actually at work some almost 20 miles away from where these crimes had committed. And so, again, it just goes back to a system and people in the system who – uh, have whatever views or attitudes towards black men and to say that we're just going to pick you out and say that you committed this crime. You don't have the means. You don't have the ability to uh, hire an attorney. Your family doesn't. And so you're at the mercy of the court. You may, And he had a public defender, but the public defender didn't even represent him well. He, I re- listened to his story, and he said that the public defender couldn't even uh, remember how to work a certain piece of equipment. They'd never questioned the ballistics of this weapon, and Keith, the weapon that they took was a weapon that that belonged to his mother, and it did not, after 30 years, it was discovered that the ballistics in that weapon that the police took from his mother's home, which they did not have a search warrant to do, but they did it. 30 years later, Nas found, oh, hey, that's not the same gun. For me, Keith, is the fact that you robbed this young man of, of a life. But in the poli- and I think this is when, when I know when I talk to white officers and they get on this deal about, man, it's, you're bringing up this, this racial issue. I'm not that way. 
and and but how do you? And I guess my the question that I'm gonna ask you and our listeners how do how do you get people to relate to that, or is it even possible for them to relate to it? Now some will say, yeah, I understand it, but do you really relate to it, Keith? There's no way you can. I mean, you know, like I said, you can you can't even say you understand. All you can do is say you. All you can do is empathize. And 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 basically, uh, but you know, you you can't sit there and say, well, I understand. Um, it, it, it's you can't. I can't. I can't. I can't even try to begin to understand what this gentleman must have gone through. The anger. I mean, I can try to think what I would feel: anger, uh, mistrust, uh, apathy, uh, loneliness. Uh, I would, I would, I would feel all that and more. Uh, it takes a special person to come out and be, and without forget, with with so much forgiveness and without anger. Uh, it takes a person. Uh, and and so how do you do that? Even you know there there are these states that uh, give individuals up to so many so many thousands of dollars per year. They were that's that still doesn't negate the no. fact that this person's freedom was taken away from them. And so yeah. I, I I don't get it. I I don't get it. I don't I don't I don't understand how they can deal with that. Uh, I don't get how the criminal justice system. I don't see how you can do someone like that. I just don't. I don't get it. Uh, and 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 you know, like you said, the system. I don't think the system is broken. The system is in place when it comes to law enforcement, judicial, and detention. It's the system we have, but it's the individuals that break the system. Each one of those, each one of those components of the system. Yeah. Well, well, Keith, you know, I want to remind our listeners that uh, you listen to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, the call-in number to the show is 646-929-0130. And if you're just now uh, uh, tuning in to the show, uh, we are having this conversation about uh, Anthony Ray Hinton, who was wrongfully convicted. He spent 30 years of his life in an Alabama prison and, and, Today, our topic of the show is a plea to fix a broken justice system. The criminal justice system is not broken. Uh, it's doing what it was designed to do. And some people will probably agree, disagree. But, Keith, I had a uh, one of our loyal listeners that listened to us. Uh, she's a, a community activist in Oklahoma City. Uh, she actually said, hey, you know, for two black police chiefs to have this conversation, you you have to uh, appall, you know, because this is not a conversation that you would think two black men in law enforcement would have. But, Keith, we're coming up on our next break, but let's take this break and we'll come back and we'll jump back into this hot topic. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I know they're looking. Everyone's staring. A scab from a cold sore is so embarrassing, you feel like everyone notices. 
Get new Campofanique cold sore treatment for scab relief. The only one targeted for the scab. The worst part of a cold sore. Its special formula provides maximum strength pain relief. Plus, it seals in moisture to help prevent cracking, to promote healing. So now, you'll be noticed for other things. Nice haircut, Lisa. Campofanique stops pain, promotes healing, ends embarrassment. Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Blog Talk Radio. Brothers, the two peeps, uh, Virgil Green and uh, uh, Keith Swag Humphrey. Uh, before I uh, said, I should, uh, I want to wish you and all your listeners a happy Thanksgiving and uh, don't don't go too crazy with the eggnog, the spiked eggnog and all that. I know that's Christmas, but some people do it a little sooner with Thanksgiving or whatever, but I just want to put that out there to you guys. But um, I do want to. Um, not necessarily uh, Chief Humphrey uh, for the sake of siding, but uh, agree with the premise of what uh, the show is with, with what Virgil Green said, um, and that is the system is designed the way it's supposed to be, not just for black and brown people, Chief Humphrey, but the uh, marginalized, poor whites, Poor other mm-hmm. those who remember. I mean, it's not just criminal justice, guys. As you very know, because you're in the system, some people can't afford bail. If you can't afford yeah. bail, you you're not going anywhere. You go to, and then that's that's a a, a smaller version. Uh, God knows from um, the the story that you started off with, but I would think uh, Chief Humphrey, start with you with that. You know, it's not just black and brown people. It's people who just they don't have any money, man. It's poor whites. It's a bunch of people. So the system, to me, and the premise of what you guys are saying, is set up and designed um, to inflict these things on these these different groups. Well, if you don't know, number one, we talked about if you don't know your rights, and if you can't afford somebody who can tell you your rights, and you can't get um, all of the all of the um, specially trained is when you talk about ballistics expert, when you talk about DNA expert, uh, when you're talking about um, looking at a 99-year sentence, it go before a jury, but if you take a plea bargain at 20, 25, I mean, you know, some people look at it, well, what am I going to do? I mean, I don't know what evidence they have against me. I don't know if my attorney's giving me the best representation. 
I mean, so it's 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 you know it's those things that it does fall on all. I mean, these things affect all cultures, all ethnicities. It does. Um, and talking to people that have that have done time in jail. Now we know L.A. that we have these individuals that they're innocent no matter what. I didn't do anything. They're trying to blame me. But there are those individuals out there who are innocent that they don't have the know the knowledge to get uh, know what questions to ask. Uh, you know how to get someone. And and if you're a person who may not have a job, you might be homeless, or you might be a person who may work a minimum wage job and you have a family, uh, you can't pay the five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar retainer that it's going to take to uh, hire someone to represent you. So you're basically just at the will of of the court appointed attorney or the or the system. So it does affect a lot of people. It's 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 not right. It's not fair. Uh, but you know, how do you fix that? Well, and, and you know, Keith, you know, to add to that, uh, you know, when uh, LA brought up the fact about poor, marginalized uh, uh, people. And you talk about cash bonds. You talk about uh, prosecutors uh, having these high cash bonds uh, for people they know cannot afford uh, a bondsman or they know they cannot afford to, to pay cash to get out of jail. So they, they sit in jail almost till to the time that they are going to court, they get sentenced, either they go to prison or they get out on some type of probation or whatever it may be. But, you know, and I'm going to share this with you, Keith, and, and our listeners, that right here in, in, in the state of Oklahoma, there is a class action lawsuit filed a couple of years ago uh, with some attorneys out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, against uh, a uh, company who people, when they got out of jail, they made arrangements with the the county to pay their their fines and fees and there was uh, uh an additional charges put on these uh and all of them were were poor people and so when they couldn't pay their fines and other court costs they would get a warrant then all of a sudden they would receive additional fees added to what they were already had made payments arrangements to do. Well, the uh, sheriff's association was receiving proceeds from that. This they end up receiving somewhere like over eight hundred thousand dollars, and in in one year. But these people uh, found that they were being targeted, and that they really didn't have the means to pay for it, but they were just being uh, you know, it was almost kind of like a collection agency. You know how the collection agency call you and say, if you don't pay this, we're going to come out and pick you up. We're going to take you to jail. Well, this is what this system was doing to poor and marginalized people. And a lot of them were white people. Not all of them were black people. And so now all 77 counties, all 77 sheriff's departments in the state of Oklahoma is involved in a class action lawsuit because of the practice that these sheriff departments had agreed to do with this third-party company. And so 
you're right that this isn't just something that affects black men and black women. This is something that affects poor people. And But you have a system who really does not care. They're just going to say you committed a crime, you need to pay up. If you can't pay up, we're going to make sure. And to the tune, guess what? If you're working, we're going to collect your income tax check at the end of the year. So when I say that the system is is doing what it's intended to do, how how did the system get involved with taking your income tax check, Keith? Well, you got to understand another... the history. Well, let's think about the history of prisons, uh, uh, Virgil. You used to have what was called a debtor's prison, and if you didn't pay your debts, you ended up in the you ended up there. Uh, and then yeah. you ended up, and the way you used to get out of there, you used to go to work for people. Uh, mm-hmm. Get out, go to work for people uh, to pay your debt. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a, you know, it's two police chiefs. We understand that uh, there are individuals out here uh, that that are criminal. We understand there are individuals out here that owe owe a debt to society. But we do so. We also understand that there is a population out here that have been where the criminal justice system has been used to uh, keep them under control, so to speak, keep them under control, use as a method of intimidation, use as a method of retaliation. We understand that. Uh, we understand that it comes down to, and you know, a lot of times people don't understand when I when I hear. People say, well, I, I, I entered a plea bargain. Oh, that's a conviction. Uh, you know, that goes toward a prosecuting attorney or a district attorney's numbers, their statistics. You know, I, I did a plea bargain or deferred. Well, it's, it's the same thing as a conviction. You may not spend any time uh, behind bars, but basically you've got a conviction on your record. Uh, people don't understand that. Uh, people don't understand that when you have a court-appointed attorney, they have a certain amount of money to work with to represent you, and so um, we don't—they don't understand that. Your, your average citizen who's going through something in the criminal justice system, uh, they don't understand that. No matter what is the speeding ticket, all the way up to a violent crime, individuals don't understand that this is these are the rules. And, and, and yeah. so uh, it it goes back to, you know, there's nothing you can do to justify when someone is wrongly convicted, someone is wrongly wrongly arrested. Uh, there's nothing you can say or do uh, to erase that that tragedy. No, and it's not key, you know. But I'm gonna ask this question to to our listeners, and uh, you know, if you got a comment, come in on the chat room and, and with your comment, or let the producer of the show know that you want to come on and share your comments with us uh, as we talk about this uh, hot topic. But Keith, you know, it goes back to this question, and not to be negative, because again, you you want to make you want to believe that there is some hope at the end of the tunnel. But how long have we been talking about criminal justice reform? And it's almost kind of like a new catchy phrase. So 
my question to our listeners and, and, and to you in L.A., everybody's listening, can the criminal justice system really be reformed? Because it's a system that has been around for so long, just like the culture of law enforcement. How do you change a system that is, that is so broken that it's not fair and equal to every person and we go back to started this conversation. What started Mr. Anthony Ray Hinton's arrest was two white detectives said, we don't care if you didn't commit the crime. I'm going to make sure that you're found guilty of the crime before a jury even hears all the evidence against you. So how, so that question comes back, can this system be truly reformed? You know, I'm optimistic, man. I think it can. I think I think one step at a time. But it all comes back down to the, the system consists of people. The, the system that we have was created by individuals. And so the, 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 the repair is going to have to be by individuals. Uh, you know, we can talk about it all day, but we can't do anything until we start electing the right people, until we start making people understand, holding our representatives accountable, uh, you know, talk about the laws on the books. We can't, we can't change it if we just continue to talk about it and there's no action. So I, I yeah. believe it can. It, it's just got to, it takes the right people to do so. Yeah. Well, Keith, we're coming up on a, on a, on our next break, but we've got a question from uh, Renee in Fort Worth, and that question is, how do you, as black police chiefs, help black and brown communities when fighting criminal injustice and false arrest? So that's a good question, and it's something that, uh, you know, once we come back from the break, we'll definitely get into, but... We want to remind our listeners that you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and stay tuned. We'll be right back with you. Your mother-in-law just dropped in. It's dinner time, and she looks hungry. Time for a quick dinner. Think fast. Think eggs, like an omelet with tomatoes and cheese. Quick, easy, delicious. So, she loves dinner, compliments your creativity, and finally admits you're not a shameless social climber who stole her baby boy away. All thanks to the incredible edible egg. For other quick dinner, lunch, and snack ideas, visit AEB.org. The incredible edible egg. The American Egg Board. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine, beer, and spirits. 8,000 different wines, 2,500 different beers, 3,000 spirits, and friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Blog Talk Radio. Have you seen that new plastic coffee container? Did you know it actually absorbs aroma from the coffee? At Maxwell House, we think the aroma should stay where it belongs. In the coffee, not the container. Our steel can won't absorb our rich coffee aroma, and unlike plastic, it's a perfect barrier against coffee's worst enemies, moisture and oxygen. So choose Maxwell House with the fresh steel can, and make every day 
good to the last drop. question was from Renee, I believe, in Fort Worth, uh, Keith, uh, where she, uh, you know, asked, how do you as police chief help black and brown communities when fighting criminal injustice and false arrest? Well, first of all, you've got it. That's an excellent question, Renee. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, First of all, you have to want to listen to people. Uh, we as police chiefs and police officers, we have to quit tuning people out, uh, no matter what a person says. That's why it's very important for police departments to have a system in place where they investigate every complaint that comes in. Uh, and, and, and you have to sit down and listen to people, that open-door policy, listen to people. And, and even, even if it doesn't sound right, go back and look into it and ask the questions regarding the arrest, the search warrant, the arrest warrant, the interview, the lineup. If you have those questions uh, that come up, if a person or a family member comes and talks to you about that, you have an obligation to that family and to that community 
to follow up on that. And it might be that it's a legitimate arrest, but then there could be something that's that's not legitimate. And so you have to follow up on those on those on those uh, concerns that people have. Those conversations that you have, you have to be willing to follow up on them when something just doesn't seem right. It's called checks and balances. It's, it's called it's called holding your people accountable and not just assuming that people that people that work for you or, or the police departments are, are doing the right thing. Yeah, you're right, Keith. And I'll just add to that, uh, Renee, that, you know, when black men or black women are in positions as police chiefs uh, and you have the ability to uh, use your voice and use your position to do the right things and to talk to people and to let them know that, you know, if if you see something wrong, you're going to try to do everything you can to correct it at the level that you're in. And if that means stepping outside of your lane to some degree to go and, and speak to a prosecutor about what you feel is wrong with this case, then by all means, I think we need to see more people stepping out of their lanes and doing things that you normally wouldn't do. And I think people gain more respect for you when they see that you're really trying to really help uh, a group of people, whether you're a black person, whether you're a Latino, whatever race you are, you know, poor, you have to have somebody who has a voice who can really try to bring about some change. And so uh, I think we just need to see a little bit more of that. I mean, that's my opinion. Uh, but no, you know, as police chief Virgil as, as police chiefs, we do have that platform where we do have a voice that people uh, will listen to that we can voice our concerns. Uh, you know, we can't, you know, face case in point when somebody calls and they, because it normally starts, with the police chief, you know, someone calls and says, hey, my, you know, family member, or I was convicted, and I think you have to, I don't think you have to, I know that you have to um, make that phone call to that prosecuting attorney or to the city attorney and say, this is what people are saying. Uh, you can't just ignore that stuff. And and a lot of these things have occurred because the, the subject who's sitting behind bars has been the one that's continually has started the process. Um, We've got to we've got to start the process, uh, and when we when we hear about these things, we just can't assume that everybody is guilty. We can't assume that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. And that's yeah. We you're can't right. just tune people out. Yeah. Well, Keith, we're gonna get uh, jump to the next question from Ryan in Nebraska that LA brought up, and I'm trying to understand the the question that Ryan or the comment that Ryan is say is 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 posing to us, and maybe you can kind of help me, Keith. Uh, Ryan in Nebraska said that these racist and injustice don't take place. Um, uh, I just kind of lost my spot there, but don't take place. Guys, I think what what he had sex fact, he's saying basically that the the level or the number of um, the injustices in the context of what, what 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 happened with the gentleman that you played in the beginning doesn't happen at the frequency 
as it is that you got you guys are trying to portray it's happening is what oh, I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, we're I'll not say, trying. And, we're and not I'll say this. We're not. No. We're, can I? Can right. I do? Can I answer this one yeah. real quick? Yeah. Go ahead, because I definitely want to jump in. Yeah, I don't think we're saying that it that it's an astronomical number, but we don't know how many. These are the ones that we know about. We we don't know uh, if it's one. That's one too many. That one is astronomical because we're talking about somebody's life. Somebody somebody's being taken away from their family. So it's. Whether it's one or whether it's a thousand, it's too many. And so, you know, these are the ones, I'll say this again, uh, you know, Ryan, these are the ones that we know about. This isn't the ones that uh, the individuals don't have the knowledge or the know-how or the resources or know who to reach out to to fight their cases. We're not, we're not, we're not saying it happens every day. We're just saying this is one of the ones we know about. But you hear about yeah. these cases every day. So I just want to clarify, we don't know how many times it happens. We just know it happens. And one time is, it, one, is too many. It's one too many. And then and, and, too, and, Virgil, Virgil ahead, and then I was just thinking too that uh, um, uh, Michael, I can't remember, uh, what is his name in New York, at a mob in Howard Beach. And if you know anything about New York, Howard Beach is definitely not a place for folks of color that will be there even to this day from my understanding and, and people I know Howard Beach and place like that is definitely not but it, a mob killed him that was in 1986 and then and so to, yeah. to your, your, both your point to both your points the guy left the the, the gentleman that when he lost 30 years of his life you can't get that back Ryan you can't yeah, get that yeah. back That's 30 years Virgil yeah well and, and I'm going to say to Ryan I mean this is a case that, you know, this topic is something that we're just highlighting something that's already been highlighted nationally. Uh, even in the movie Just Mercy, this was this man's case was was a part of that uh, true story. And this, but I will say to Ryan and to everybody else, you know, we put this show on to educate. Uh, our listeners, and it also helps educate us. But if you go to the Innocent Project, go to the Innocent Project website, and you will see here is an organization who their sole goal is to get people who have been wrongfully convicted out of prison, like Mr. Hinton, who spent 30 years in prison. Like Reuben Hurricane Carter, who spent, I golly, almost the same amount of time in prison for a crime that he did not commit. So, this Ryan, this isn't embellishing this this uh, these people who are going to prison wrongfully convicted. This is just talking about the stories of Mr. Hinton, Reuben Hurricane Carter, and all these other men who and women who are sitting in prison right today, their, case are, their cases are on appeal, they're on death row. They're just not in prison. They're on death row. And so they're using every legal avenue to get their cases reheard again. And once that case is reheard again, guess what happens? It's found that, oh, you didn't commit the crime, but guess what? 
You spent 30 years. You spent 40 years. You spent your almost entire life in prison because of something that somebody said that you did that you did not do. So, uh, and, I, and I think, you know, we, we really have to be really, and to me, to be passionate about it is the fact that I don't care if, this, if, if Mr. Hinton was a white man, I would just be as passionate about this conversation as I am now. No man or woman should be wrongfully convicted and sit in prison for 30 years just because the police officer said, I'm going to make sure that you're found guilty because you got five strikes against you. Uh, Keith, we, we have another question from Valerie in Utah. And she asked, uh, are you and can you be a part of groups like nonprofits that fight against criminal injustice or is it a, or is it a conflict of interest? I guess she's asking, as the, uh, the titles, uh, you know, being police chiefs, can you be a part of those organizations, or is that a conflict of interest? Well, I don't know about being an active part as maybe being on a board or being a member, but we go speak. I know I speak at a lot of these type of events that talk about reform and talk about injustices. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm one of these chiefs that, will admit to things that we've done throughout the, throughout, you know, time as far as the existence of law enforcement, the things that we have done. Um, you know, it's one of those things that um, you have to speak out against the injustice. Now, actually being a part of the organization, that can be a conflict of interest. But you can't be, you can't speak, you can't participate in the public events, in the protests, uh, I don't say protest, but the marches and things like that. You can do that. You can let your voice be heard uh, because people want to know that as a police chief, you are monitoring that and you do feel that everyone has uh, the right to a fair trial and, and your officers are making arrests. So you can be a voice, uh, but you may not be able to be an active part of a membership or be a part of the board or anything like that, but you can be a voice, absolutely, without it being any type of conflict. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think Keith, you know, one of the things that that I did when when I ran for, you know, sheriff here in Oklahoma County, I went to, you know, some people probably said, "Hey, that that was bad. It hurted your campaign." But I went to a, a lot of the uh, the uh local protests and marches that were being conducted by Black Lives Matter and other organizations because again, people really need to see who you are and you're not doing it to 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 get votes or get people to to endorse you or whatever, sometimes it's just doing the right thing. People need to see that you're on their same level. And the fact that it doesn't have a class of how much money you make, doesn't have a class of what title you hold, it just has a class that you and I are the same. We're equal. I want to hear what you have to say. We just need to put more people in positions like that. And the fact that this isn't just about black people. This is about every person who has been wrongfully convicted of a crime. And I'm pretty sure there are white men and white women who have been wrongfully convicted of a crime who are sitting in prison just like Mr. Hinton and all these other people. So, Keith, I want to get this clear. that This isn't just about – this isn't a racial issue. And we're not trying to make it a racial issue. We're just talking about this 
situation right here with Mr. Hinton, he happens to be black. He was convicted by an all-white jury. So however you form that in your process, that's you. But at the end of the day, no person should be wrongfully convicted in the where 30 years of their life is sitting on death row and they're hearing all these other people that are being killed. Mr. Hinton stated that there were 40-something people in his 30 years in, in the Alabama State Prison Key. There were over 40 men that were executed. He just didn't know when his day was going to come. But this man's mother passed away in prison. So, you know, go to the Innocent Project website and, and educate yourself about how many people of color and poor and marginalized people are in a criminal justice system because of a crime they did not commit. And even in the movie Just Mercy, there was white people, even though it was a movie, but it was based on a true story, there were white people, white men, who were wrongfully convicted in prison. Well, you know what, man? I will tell you. I will tell you this, man. We got a good point, Mike in New York. So, you know, uh, condolences to David Dinkins' family, uh, the first African American mayor in, in oh, New yeah, York. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And he he did sit a lot of presidents, man. You know, he ran a department or ran a city in which the police department was able to do a lot without stopping frisk. Um, and you know, we understand. You know, you know the history of stopping frisk. But there are individuals yeah. out here who have set presidents, who have gone before you and I, that have allowed the fact that you and I could be part of this, a part of a profession. But I just want to say this really quick, man. It gets really frustrating when people, you know, we're, we're bringing topics that affect everyone. And, and there mm-hmm. are those topics that as two African-American chiefs, there are things that we understand that we, that we can talk about. But when you start trying to make this about a racist thing, uh, when we come up, when we talk about fact that Mr. Hinton just happened to be one person, yeah, just one does. person, um, 